So welcome to Boom It's on the Blockchain. Uh, for this episode of Boom It's on the Blockchain, it's more of a deep dive with Shay. And on the back of our Bitcoin recent podcast, we went off studio, recorded it, but we went in a bit of a deep dive to speak a little bit about green energy, a bit about what's happening in terms of Bitcoin mining, and really understanding uh, poverty alleviation and capitalism with a conscience. So here's the recording with myself and Shep. Enjoy. Because it's like people think they're green. That's the thing. I'm green. I'm green. You know, not really, not really. And I put my washing out. Right? I'm Scottish, and we used to have in Scotland. I'm old, Scottish too, brother. We had the old whirly gig. Like my mother. Yep. You've got you've got a big backyard. You put up the lines, right? Yep. You've got a little backyard. You've got the whirly gig, and everyone would put their washing out. You know, you'd never use your tumble dryer if if it was unless it was pouring with rain. The washing's out. You know, because <laughs> yep. usually. You know, it's not going to be hot, but it's usually windy. You know, even if it's overcast, we'll still dry the washing there. Or it goes in the radiator, you know, before the tumble dryer there. Yeah. And I was doing some research on that. And then basically what you find out is that if we put our washing out, you know, the, the amount you use in terms of CO2 emissions in a tumble dryer or your dryer here, you know, is the equivalent of taking a flight from San Diego to San Francisco and back again. Wow. <laughs> so everyone back home says, well, you know, there's, you know, I can't do anything to help the CO2 emissions. Yeah, you can. Every single thing you can do, going back to the old ways of doing it, can reduce your carbon footprint. And I think what we want to do, we're just speaking of Bitcoin right now, and it's just like, it's unbelievable. Oh, exactly. I would have brushed on the fact is that our equity token also backs renewable energy and renewable energy backs our token as well and so forth. And the proper utilization can also, since it is fractional interest of ownership of uh, minute fractions of shares, it can also bring out the fact of equity return in dividends, whereas Bitcoin does not. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. I think that as well. And then the other thing is, if we make a wind token, Shep, right, and we, we when the solar tokens go live and the wind tokens, and you own a piece of this, your CO2 emissions as an individual now goes down because you own part of this wind farm that's generating renewable yep. energy. But it's yep. just like the terminology of what's happening is just confusing for people right now, you know? And yep. that's why the library that we've created is, you know, we're going to fill this thing with little snippets of information. We're starting to put the renewable energy stuff in there. It's super exciting for people to understand that, you know, the, the world is going forward in such a way. And it's and, and people need to realize that on an individual level, you can make such a massive difference. Oh, yeah. And, and we can influence people. People think, oh, I can't influence that. We can influence everything. Oh, yeah. You know, I never realized um, the one class I took was on basically, uh, you know, economics and so forth and pollution and everything on the factor in science of how much carbon footprint each person produces on any given daily basis. And I found out mine's 1.8 people, you know, and if you figure that into relativity, yeah, each human being is producing a big carbon footprint by all the power consumption by all the waste that they throw away and everything else. It, it's insane. Yeah. And, and, really and, it comes, and it comes back to the same thing. as like, 
if you think of the coal plants opening in China, so it was 182 coal plants opened in wow. China. Wow. You know, there was more coal, more coal plants open than the rest of the world closed down. But if you think over the last 20 years, I was researching it. So when you can say whatever you want about Chinese government and whatever they're doing, but they've taken over 500,000 people from below the poverty line to above the poverty line. That's what that's this guy, right? That's unbelievable. No, 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 500 million people. Sorry. They've got so some they, pretty good quality merchandise. I, I have nothing bad to say about China. I mean, some of their stuff's really good quality. It really I mean, is. Yeah, their product in that. You know, but I'm just talking about. So, so this is the other thing is as we take people above the poverty line and people go through industrial revolutions, it then creates no pollution. Yeah, it creates more pollution. You know, India is going to start creating more and more and more pollution. But what do we want? Do we want people living below the poverty line and dying? You know, you know, look what's happened with COVID in there that's happening right now because they don't have a healthcare system that can actually, um, you know, they're running out of oxygen. They're running out of so many different things. It's exactly. not robust like it is the healthcare system here. You know, it's just like, but... What's happening there is, is this industrial revolution is happening in India. I actually think, believe it or not, that India is going to be the number one power economy in the world by 2035. I was oh, doing I some calculations. I was doing calculations myself. You know what I mean? I, I always end up working stuff down deep diving that. You know, the bottom line is Indian people, great salespeople, you know, They've got great technical knowledge. You look at the guy running Google, you know, he's from India. There's so many people coming there. So they're very smart. They're highly educated, but they've not gone through an industrial revolution. And when this starts to happen on mass scale, which is starting to happen now, you know, it, it's unbelievable. To me, they'll be yep. the number one economy in the world because, you know, population size potentially by then, they could be oh, bigger man. than China. You know, it's just like, and it come, and then they've also got the trading partners next to them. So you've oh, got yeah. like Pakistan, you know, Pakistan, 280 million people. It's like, wow. Pakistan's like the, I think the sixth or seventh most populous country in the world. There's you know, nobody I have never met from India and Pakistan that isn't uber wealthy. I mean, most of them have really yeah, deep pockets. The ones that are here and shit. Oh, yeah. The ones there's... over there that don't have, you know, it's a lot. Well, there's a lot of wealthy Indians over there, but there's oh, also yeah. a lot living below the poverty line. And again, it comes back to education and poverty lines and, you know, you start talking about that. You know, we were speaking about this yesterday was, you know, Americans living under below the poverty line. And so you start looking at percentages. So right now there is, you know, if you start thinking of like uh, groups of people, so uh, the African-American com uh, community, it's been a year since uh, George Floyd died, 18.8% of the African-American community lives below the poverty line in America. That's 8.1 wow. million people. That's only, that's only one in five African Americans live below the poverty line in America. That's unbelievable. Wow. And then, I'll tell you, yeah, and then you start looking at, but then you look at the numbers. This is why when you focus too much on race, you know, and it's not that they've not been shafted and had a shitty end of the stick till now, but if you look at the Hispanic community, 15%, nine and a half million. But then people start to look at the white community here. They were only seven and a half percent live below the poverty line, but it's actually more people. It's near. It's over fourteen million people. I think fourteen point two million white people in America live below the poverty line. You know that's yep. that's bigger, that's more people in the biggest city. It's like double LA. It's two LAs live below the poverty line, and this wow. is where it should really we you know we've got to start to look at this thing between 
you know, wealth and poor. It's like how we can't keep getting richer, 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 but, but these people are getting suppressed coming down. And then you start looking at, you know, from obviously my oldest boy's autistic, Malachi. So I was involved in the Autism Speaks. And, you know, I, I, I would say I speak out for disability rights, etc. 23.5%. So that's like one in four people with disabilities live below the poverty line in America. You believe that statistic? It's like three and a oh, half yes, million. Oh, yes, I do. I do. Three and a half million. That's unbelievable. And the highest amount of people who live below the poverty line in America are Native Americans. And yep. they're actually over, to, there's nearly 27%. You know what I mean? That's 27, that's nearly one oh, in I know. <laughs> Native Americans who were essentially here first for the, you know, everyone invaded and whatever you wanted to do. Oh, well, we didn't shoot them for sport. We just killed them with smallpox. Whatever you wanted to say, you've come in, you've taken the land, you've basically divvied it up and you've left, you know, you know we've left them some stuff to build some casinos and that. But one in three, over one in three, or just one in three lives below the poverty line. And that in itself, Shep, is like unbelievable. And that's America. So if you start going to other oh, parts is. of the world, it's like, it's even worse. The statistics are worse. And to me, what COVID's showing us, I know, which is like, it's the difference between rich and poor, everybody is just going like that. It's just going further and further and further apart. And the line's going to go like this. And if you're not on this side of the line, it's just going to get more and more and more difficult to come out, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, we speak about this with, um, you know, and that's a lot of these, you know, we were talking about yesterday, our TTT, Trump, our Trump train <laughs> trolls. Trump you know. train trolls. <laughs> Trump tra well, actually, the guy's actually sent me a message, a Trump train troll. He says, no, 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 he's actually been quite decent since then, you know, believe it or not, cool. since he's found out libertarian, you know, he's actually... But he's not, and actually, but you know, it doesn't matter to me. It's just like the guy's reached out, yeah, we're and he's actually having conversation, he's interested, which is good because yeah. I think people want to, in America right now. The problem is you're blaming the other guy, it's the other guy's fault, it's the other guy's fault, it's the Republican fault, it's the Democrat, it's it's whatever you want to say, these people are poor and they're getting that that's increasing, you know. And we need to find a way to evolve society where we drag people from below the poverty line up and not suppress people down. And then when you suddenly see places like China bringing hundreds of millions of people above the poverty line, you know, it's like in the last 20 years, yep. well, maybe that was right for them to have their industrial revolution. And if India has to do for the next 15 years an industrial revolutions where they're going to increase the CO2 emissions by providing more education and providing everything else with it, then that's something you've got to, that, that to me is like, it's not even a no brainer. Why do these people, they, they can pump as much CO2 emissions as they want. People say, oh, you can't do that. Why? They're bringing, they'll bring hundreds of millions of people above the poverty line. So, and then the poverty line over there is different to what it is here. You know, the oh, poverty yes. line in Nigeria, when I was doing research is $386 a year. Wow. And there's 90 million Nigerians live below the poverty line. You know, yeah. So it's like you know, it's it's unbelievable statistics. If people start looking into that, you know, it's just it's it's unbelievable. And then going forward, I think whatever we do, we've got to think about how we can basically you know start to bring people above the poverty line. Because to me, it comes down to education and opportunity. You know, exactly. Um, like the days of John F. Kennedy. I mean, back then, John F. Kennedy looked at everybody as an equal. It didn't matter about politics. It was all about the man themselves. 
you know, yeah. what, what they had to offer, whether they had a disability or not, their capabilities and their abilities to be a productive member. You see what I mean? I hundred percent. It's I love John F. Kennedy. I thought I read so many stories. I thought he was an amazing man. Yeah, yeah. So it was him that changed the rules about African-Americans being oh, yeah. able to acquire houses. And he actually changed the legislation under his term. So up until then, oh, yeah. you know, we did a previous um, uh, video on this and we were talking about uh, institutional racism in, with Talisha Sign in banking rates, U.S. banking rates. So back then, you know, and I speak about it all the time, like Americans don't, why would you even know this information? You're going back, you know, especially young people, you wouldn't even know this. But back up until like in the 1930s, yep. before the Federation, FHA got created in 1934, the only people who could afford to buy a house were the uber wealthy. Because back then you had to take a five-year um, loan and you had to put 80% down. So if you wanted to buy a house, you had to put 80% yep. down and then you got a loan for five years for the other 20%. When the FHA came along, Federation of Housing Association, they changed the rules to the loan structures to be similar to what it is right now. So suddenly you could get a 30-year loan and you only had to put yep. 20%. And then this allowed all these inner city areas but essentially, you know, in, in Scotland, you call them the slums, inner city areas where people worked in factories. But at that point there, there was Irish immigrants, Jewish immigrants, uh, Chinese immigrants, all the different immigrants were staying there, including the African-Americans. But th at that point there, they created a law that people could do it unless you were black. So the black community were excluded from accessing these loans. So between 1934, oh, and then a lot of this was post-Second World War when it really took up. So after 1945, you came back. Suddenly, people are getting loans. So you're now getting a loan. Great, I'm an Irish immigrant. I've come back from war. I've, you know, we've had the war against the Nazis or wherever else it's been. Come back. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take opportunity for this. I'm going to get my house. I'm going to basically put it in. And you're talking houses that were like $1,800 shit. It's not like it's like huge amount of money. $1,800, two grand. You're getting a loan of essentially 80%. Boom, you've got the money together. You've got your loan. You've now moved out from the slums or inner city areas to the suburbs. And you can move to the suburbs at that point there. You've got this 30-year mortgage. This house is now worth $600,000. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was worth back then. But African-American community were excluded from that. You know, and it was like unbelievable. And I'm reading this stuff. I think it's unbelievable. Wow. And then I started diving into it. So JFK changed the rules. Oh, so yeah. I think it was 1953. He changed the rules. It became law in 1968. So up yep. until that point, the African-American community could only acquire under the five-year system. You know, I mean, like how were they going to do that? It's impossible. No and way to afford it. Ah, it was impossible. And then this was even worse. And this is where this redlining came from. And Talisha Shine, when we had an interview, you know, she educated me about this. But in the mortgages themselves, when you sign that mortgage document, and you, you sign any mortgage document or terms and conditions, you know, on your phone and that, you know, I mean, it's pages and pages of stuff. You just sign the bottom of it. There's a oh, quote yeah. in there that said, yes, you're moving to the suburb. You are not allowed to sell your house to an African-American. Otherwise, your loan will be taken off you. And the wow. house be taken off. So even though when it came in in 1968, they still put in these weird clauses. So this is where this redlining, so that, you know, African-American people, whether they were a doctor and educated at that point, they still couldn't move into this area 
because they thought the house prices were going to come down. Un unbelievable. Shit, oh, it is. Know? And, and, and that's a history. And, and I know they, they, they all talk about, oh, well, we, we don't want to teach this history in America. It's from schools and that. But it's like, to me, it's history. History is history. And we should teach history. I'm not into yep. all that woke stuff and cancellation culture. I think that's garbage as well. You know, the extremes on either side are garbage. You know, they, they, all they, of it they, is. They command the narrative from the news companies and they push that thing. And I think most Americans aren't like that. I think most Americans are centrist in the middle and everyone's everyone should decide on a policy by policy basis, you know? And that's that's the way it should be. But it's just like, it's unbelievable. And you're reading this stuff. And then I tell Americans this stuff. And it's because my dad's a bank manager, you know, and he's 30 years bank manager. I sort of think in a bank manager's way because of my dad and that. I'm reading this stuff, you know, tell that stuff my dad he just can't believe it it's just like it's unbelievable that that's in there and then you you wonder why people in these areas and then what happened is wealth gets passed down so you know now i've had this house this house has gone up in value i remortgage it because now there's lots of mortgage companies finding different ways to pull the equity out of this you know tokenization is just a essentially is just a follow-through from this technology really this is what it came from people we're just fast forwarding 100 years and we're just exactly. trying fractional ownership but really if you think about that the wealth's been passed down now and the wealth's been passed down you know and then they've pulled money out now this money they've pulled out is not only they've moved to a suburb whereby there's better schools anyway better opportunities but they're also able to take capital out of their house to give it to their kids to buy their own house and pull capital out of the house to pay for their kids to go to university but if you're thinking in inner city areas, you weren't even allowed to do this. And then in the same way wealth gets passed down, as Talisha explained to me, poverty gets passed down. So you're created, it doesn't matter the opportunity, but you're creating an opportunity where there's less opportunities, high unemployment. You know, there's so much more obstacles ahead of you from where you were born in that place based on two mile difference. And to me, that's something that, you know, and I think young people, and I really think about young people now is I've got a lot of faith in young people. I've got a lot of faith when I hear them speak about things. You know what I mean? I, I just feel that they want a different world than what we've created right now. Now, a lot of the old school people says nothing wrong the way we've done it. But there is because we're just talking about people living below the poverty line. Now, all these people we spoke about living below the poverty line do not have asset ownership, you know? So everyone living above the poverty line has some form of asset ownership. So they're going to give opportunity to their family, you know? Yep. And I get it. You, you still get, oh, yeah, but what about uh, Candy Soans? You know, she's African. She's African. She worked in an investment bank when she was like 22. You know, woman's a genius, basically. Yeah, there's always exceptions to the rules. But we're talking about the rules for the masses. And as yep. you start to get more and more involved in this stuff, Shep, it's just it's like, it's, it's just unbelievable when you see all yes, this Yes, it is. Up. And I, I just keep talking about it over and over because I just can't believe it. And the more I learn about it, the worse it gets. And then America says, you know, well, we don't want to teach racism in schools. It's, it's not about racism. It's just history. You know, we're not talking about changing how you learn to spell and how you learn to do sums and maths and that. It's just like, we should learn about history. Now, history doesn't just end in 1785 or 1619. We have to keep going back. And we yep. can go back further than, you know, the UK, British history. And, you know, we were colonized by the Romans back in 4000 AD, up into, four, I mean, 400 AD. You know, up prior to then, 
let's be realistic. The British all lived in tribes, little pygmy things, dirty, didn't know how to build roads, no sanitation, no real educational system, nothing, you know? We got colonized by the Romans. They came and invaded us, and they brought a wealth of things with it, yep. you know? And that, but that's history. It's interesting. You know, why did they build the pyramids? Let's learn about these things. You can learn from history. It's not a case of, I don't want to just, don't let's not change history. You know what I mean? That's the other thing. Let's change. Well, something just history. like the United States. I mean, if you really look at it, we've had 60 presidents. You got to count the original 13 colonies that started here before the 1700s. They each had a president. And then they didn't even include President Jefferson Davis in 1860. He was in office at the same time President Abraham Lincoln was in office. They don't even, they exclude them. And they should include all the presidents because they were a member, body, ruler of the area of the time and the country they lived in. You yeah, know? Yeah. And I think, and I think when and when you try and focus too much about race, when it goes back to that, people need to realize that you know back then you were getting essentially independence from the King George of England yep. or King George of Britain. He was white; they were white. And they didn't create a system just to be racist at that time, because at that point there they weren't even thinking. It was just wealth ownership, greed. The word invasion. It was a different time. What it is, but people need to realize because you know the problem is if you just go well, we're just going to do reparations to the African American community, but what about the Native American community? What about the Hispanic community? There's more people who Hispanic live under the. Uh, poverty line than African-Americans purely numbers. And then, then there's more white people who live under the poverty line than there is African-American. There's, you know, combined. So it's like, well, what about them? What about poor white people? It's wealth. It has to come down to this wealth way. And then the way governments need to be held basically accountable. See, the thing yep. about the blockchain is the blockchain can create transparency. And then this way of hashing information onto this chain that can't be changed creates this, you know, information trail that can going forward. And what the blockchain is going to be able to do is we can hold governments accountable and what they're up to. And then we can see what they're spending money on and what they're not spending money on. Exactly. And if you think about like inner city areas, well, we've got to wait 10 years for this to redo the park. We don't. You can do the park tomorrow. You just choose to spend that money in tanks. You choose that spend the money on F-18 planes. The ejector seat costs more money than the refurbishment of the school. But my little kid's school took 10 years for them to get through the process to get the refurbishment. Now, obviously, I'm just coming there, and they did the school. And what they did is they came in, tidied it up, shit. Yeah, it looks great. Kept the structure the same. Did a bit of, you know, um, yeah. replastering, paint job, sticking you some new AC units, Great, it's a new school for the kids, you know. Yeah. But but and that costs the same as an ejector seat. But you know, just down the road in San Diego, you know, Lockheed Martin's just got a contract for like twenty F-18s, at one hundred and forty million a pop. You know. Oh I mean? wow. Like, and 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 that's just one thing. And it's like people don't. Well, it's it's not really the same spend. Yeah, it is. Why do all these little kids have to? You know, and especially if you start going down you know, inner city areas whereby this is where the wealth injection has to come, you know? And this is like, it comes back to like, when AOC didn't stop um, Amazon opening up that place in uh, Queens, 
you know, it was going to create all these jobs and opportunities and all that. And she wanted to do one to stick it to the man, to show you that we can't let these corporations come in there and we're not going to give them a tax break. You know, so we're going to use the taxation money for something else. It's a tax break. The money's not there until he makes the money. That's why it's called a tax break. But yeah. what you should be saying to these corporations is, yeah, you make so much money. You're, we don't care if you brand at Amazon Park, you know, or Amazon School. You can stick your logo up, but you should build a new school. You should build a new park. We should hold these Microsofts and Amazons and Apples and Walmart and all these guys who are making so much money accountable to that stuff. Oh, exactly. You know, I, the other thing I was looking at was unbelievable was like food banks, you know. So you live in California and coming from Scotland, you know, you know, I knew a few homeless people in Aberdeen, but it wasn't the same homeless problem. You come to California, it's unbelievable. And the saddest thing in California, you've got so many homeless people here that you get people raking in bins to eat food, you know. And you're talking about people who've not washed. They're walking around barefoot. They're dirty. You know what I mean? They just look like they look like sort of prehistoric man in terms of their hair all there. They're yeah. going there. And then, and I'm watching these guys go into a trash can, rake around the trash can, find some bit of food that someone's there and eating that, you know? And then, and you're just getting that while you're filling up your car at the gas station, you know? And it's just, it's unbelievably sad. And then because of what I understand in terms of, you know, autism, autism spectrum, you know, 50% of people who are homeless in America have got mental health problems, you yeah. know? So this person's got mental health problem because they've slipped through the cracks in society. They're in there having to eat food that it's basically people throwing away. And, and then you've got your supermarkets, your Walmarts, your Costco's, your Targets making so much money right now, especially for COVID. They should be, and, and, and this is what the, the statistic I couldn't believe is, they actually throw away more food on a daily basis than it would cost to feed all the home banks and all the, the people who are homeless right now. So Jeez. we actually throw away more food or those guys throw away more food than it would to feed these people there. Now a Walmart say, oh, well, we don't want homeless people all coming to the back of our store to collect the food. That's one of their arguments. Right? You know what you they've know. done here in Casper? There's an attorney by the name of Marianne Bedinsky. Um, she has commoditized and went to all these grocery stores and they've got the food bank of the Rockies and she owns poverty resistance. And what she does has a free food bank. Anybody needs food. They just go there to get free food. And most of it's from all these grocery stores. She's got contracts with them. They, or they, they hand out their out of date yeah, food. They can do it. They, they, they have the capabilities and in these micro levels, they can do it. But in Scotland, place like Glasgow, when it was hitting bad, you know, friends of mine, these guys, Optimo, Johnny and Twitch, you know, they're basically DJs and they're out pushing for people. You know, you've got extra food, get food back because they're seeing people starving in the streets, you know, and it's just like, but they're starving at home. And then we've got these supermarkets making billions of dollars, throwing away the food and they want to throw it away. I know. Because the best for day is because they get the insurance money. It's like, so you're telling me we can feed the starving with the food you throw away, but you choose not to do it because you want the insurance money. It's like, it's an unbelievable thing. I and, know. You know, and the more I think about it, I've been thinking of ways to somehow hold these guys accountable and force them to do it. Because all we need to do, see, this is, this is the power of us as people. See, the governments get involved, and then we've got every four years we vote for the government, you know, and things change. But really, you know, we're talking about poverty lines. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like how has things changed in some of the Detroit? You know, it's been a Democrat place forever. Has it changed? Oh, yeah. no. You know, it doesn't because you've got the mayors, you've got this, you got every, all the politicians lining their pockets and the people suffer and they don't get ahead. So you think yep. of these big corporations, we need to basically make them accountable for it. And it's a bit like AOC coming back to AOC should have said, I'll tell you what I'll do. You can you can build your fancy factory, I mean, offices here, but you've got to redo the, the tube stations. You've got to rebuild all the, the parks for us. And you've got to build this. And we don't mind if you just call it Amazon Park. We'll call it the thing. Well, no, in fact, you don't get to call it Amazon Park. You can put up some Amazon logos in that as well. In fact, you can have an Amazon machine for people to use. But I'll tell you what, you should build a state-of-the-art stuff, rebuild everything for us. That's what these guys should be. It should be tax breaks. Yeah, you get a tax break, rebuild the park for us. But see, they don't want to do that because then the government's, oh, well, it doesn't, it's not as easy as yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's as easy as that. It's the same with these uh, food supermarkets. So I've actually worked out a strategy myself then, Shep. Obviously, we're a nice. bit low on the, the pecking order. But what we could do is these people operate in cycles, right? So what we can do is we can basically force them. So if we all went, right, Monday to Wednesday, let's not go to Walmart. Everyone out there, we don't shop in Walmart. We all go to Costco for our shopping, right? And then Thursday, we all we all go online. We go, right, Thursday to Tuesday, we won't go to Target, right? There's going to be some people go, but everybody don't go to Target, right? So we don't go. So we completely mess up their supply chain because their supply chain is so, it, it would take us a month of doing this globally in Western countries. And within a month, and then we just say, well, why do you want us to fix it? We want you to put vending machines in all these areas. We want you to take this food you're throwing out and we want you to find a way, you know, you've, you, you managed to make billions of dollars. You managed to do all this stuff online. You managed to do all these other things. You feed the homeless people. You fill up the food bank's worth of food. Oh, but what happens if somebody who's just, you know, we sell them the crappy food in our place and you can go to get the food bank for free? So what? So what? Well, that's it. I'm telling you, you're not going to get it any worse. Why do you need to make billions of dollars? We could do that. Now, if we got like, and, and like your celebrities that live up in LA that come out and give all this garbage and that all the time, do my head in a lot of these people. It's just like yeah. they all say that they want to help. This is where you can help. You've got you're you're basically got millions of people follow you, you know, on uh, Instagram. You know, David Beckham. You know, come out there. It's just like you've got Meghan Markle. You want to do something? Come out there. Come out and say, right, everybody, this week don't go to Walmart. Every let them not go to Costco this week. Let's go, let's make these guys feed everyone. We don't want to see people eating out of the trash. And what they do is they turn it on us. So the media, the government, it's like it's our fault. It's all our fault, but it's not our fault. The corporations are making billions of dollars as a byproduct of rather than chuck this stuff away, we'll all shop at your stuff. But if people want to go out and get some free food from your food bank, then we're not talking about gourmet stuff. We're talking about feeding people with a basic you know, ingredients, basic baked beans, basic this, basic that, but enough of money for them to actually eat. You know, and they could do that. We could do that as a race of people. And then if yeah. we start to do this, and this is why I like being libertarian, because you start thinking outside the box in terms of small government. If we'd make the government goes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, trying to solve stuff, doesn't work like that. Never work. If it, if it worked like that, why is it not working now? It's increasing the amount of homeless people, but these corporations are chucking away more food than it costs to feed them. All we've got to do is a race human race is just basically say, you know what? We're not going to Costco. We're not going to 
Walmart, we're not going to target until you feed these people. And I'll tell you what, one of them is going to go, you know what, I'm going to start putting up these vending machines. And here you go. And all these, and they can go down and give them cards. They can join the whole homeless charity. Everyone's got a card. Oh, great. You can go and get your three meals a day. You can get a little package. You can go shaving and all that sort of stuff, you know, for home grooming. We could do that. And then these vending machines you're putting up all over the city, you know, you can stick green energy on them and you can use them for advertising. So it's not even a waste of thing. You can have advertising everywhere. Yeah. And if I come down and I see some homeless guy by getting his uh, dinner from the Costco vending machine, you know what? When I'm coming to buy my groceries, I'm going to go to Costco because those guys are doing something good. And the ones who are just going to be wankers like they are right now, you know, screw you guys. You guys will go under. Oh, we, until, I reckon within two months yeah. of us screwing up the supply chain, you know, they, they would start, to, one oh, of yeah. them would fall. One of them would say, you know what, screw this. I'm going to, I'm going to take the risk. I'll be market leader. You know, I'm going to, oh yeah, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll sign the document. I'll stick up my vending machines. I'll start feeding them. And then we all go, oh, we're all going to target now because they're feeding all the homeless. Only takes one of them to do it. Then, then suddenly Walmart, well, wait a minute. We, we're doing yeah. it too. We're going to do bigger ones. Our one's better. And then we're not going in there. And so what? You're going to make money anyway. Most of us aren't going to want to stand in a line for a food bank unless we've got no money and we've got that. But what we want to have is the knowledge that when I go into Costco and I'm spending my food there as well, I don't want to come out and see some guy eating in the trash just because, he, you know, life's given this shitty end of the stick and so many things have gone wrong. And you just say, well, it's probably because of drugs and that, that person. Yeah, it's just like, no, that person's got mental health problems. They've slipped through the gap. That's a stereotyping uh, figure of society as a whole. Oh, it, it does my nutting, Shep. You know what I mean? And then the more I learn with disability rights and, you know, trying to understand things there, you know, the crappier it is, you know? So, you know, yeah, it is. Oh, oh, well, you know, one in four people, 23.5% live below the poverty line. How many people with disabilities are least sleep on the streets? You just have to see them. Countless. The person's got a disability. Yeah, countless. It's unbelievable. And what's shit, so sad know? is there in California, you guys would have got what they call the, <clears throat> I can't remember the jail, but it's considered the, the biggest mental health facility in the whole United States. The Twin mm. Towers jail. And I think that's in Los Angeles. And most of these homeless people will choose to do something illegal so they get a meal to eat, you know? Mm. And that's sad that they have to do that. Yeah. That's sad. Oh, it's just like we're, we're creating this thing that's going there. And it's the people. It's the power of the people. Right now, people don't realize this. We are more powerful than we've ever been before. And it's oh, because yeah. of education. Because now we're talking about this stuff, and we're educating as more and more people hit a critical mass of education. That's why education is so key. That's why us forcing people to pay for education. We should have a basic standard up to degree level. Anybody could get it, you know? Yeah, yep. if you want to go to Harvard and run out a big fee, then that's fine. But we should have it where it's online information. We're speaking to Elon Musk earlier. He thinks we should have free education up to a certain level, you know? It's just like, People want that now, and that's the future of what it should be. And it's just like, it's to me, it's just like, no, no, but, but we have more power than you think. And just don't sit and watch CNN and Fox News and then watch all this news about slagging off the other guy, because that's what they want you to do, people. That's what the way they want you to think. They're basically controlling your thought process, so we're yeah. not thinking about critical mass of, well, wait a minute, here's the problem, here's the homeless people, 
Oh, well, you know, the reason they're, they're all homeless is because of drinks and drugs. Yeah, that that person might need to drink alcohol to stay warm at night or they'll be freeze to death from hyperthermia, you know? It's like, what difference does it make? It's not about that, you know what I mean? It's not about, because that's not it. But if we start holding them accountable, and then this is where your celebrities out there, they can actually have proper influence in going forward. You know, I always thought Joe Rogan would be a good guy. And the Monday Joe would say, right, on a Monday show, right, Monday show, Joe, where are we going to shop this week? You know? And then everyone could do the yeah. same. You have 10 of them doing it. Oprah. Oprah comes out on a Monday. Oh, by the way, everybody, let's not go to Costco this week. Costco. Or how about Eddie for? Murphy? I mean, here's another really <laughs> rich actor. <laughs> yeah. He's rich. Oh, yeah. I would say Eddie Murphy as well. You know, okay, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. We'll say Eddie Murphy, Oprah, Joe Rogan, a few other ones. Joy with the, the ginger-haired sort of Irish-Scottish one, you know, the one that's like loses it in the afternoon TV, you know, that loose women show she does herself, bit of a lunatic. But, you know, I quite like her. You know, she reminds me of old Scottish ladies. But then, you know, you've got... Um, Nick you know, Nolte. Mul I mean, he played in the movie <laughs> Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Yeah, Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte comes out on a Monday. Nick Nolte would be great. On a Monday, Nick Nolte comes out, gruffed away, says, right, everybody, let's not go to Costco this week. Let's not go in Scotland. Exactly. Tesco's. <laughs> We're not going to Tesco's this week, everybody. What do you mean you're not going to Tesco's? Well, all some people will go anyway just to be awkward. But if most of us don't go, then they'll suddenly, oh, wait, what are we going to do? So they're going to have to, well, we can't have all the staff coming here. We can't come there. The supply chain, we've got fresh food. It's coming through. We won't do that. A Thursday, we'll come in. Right, we're going to go to Tesco's now. But then we just keep making it sporadic. I reckon within two months and just say, well, what do you want? We want you to feed the homeless people. We want yep. this food you throw away. You're clever people. You've created businesses that are the most successful businesses in the world. You oh, feed yeah. us this quality food all year round, anything we want, we just want you to take accountability and responsibility to feed the poorest people in society. And that is your job as Tesco. Another as one, well. fast food, McDonald's. I mean, they're the largest franchise ownership on the planet. McDonald's, we could do the same with the burger places. They're huge. Yeah, huge. McDonald's, Burger King, right? Everybody this week, let's yep. go to McDonald's. Oh, what do you mean by that? We're not going to McDonald's until you you want to go out there. There's Feed the hungry. There's, yeah, there's 3,000 uh, there. We can go and take them again. Oh, well, we're going to look. Shut up. Go feed them. You can yep. come up the little deal together. Go feed them together. Oh, we can't do that. We don't work with the opposition. It's like total garbage. You see the deals they run. You know, one changes deal. Within seconds, the other guy, oh, he's got his new deal. Ice cream's 99 cents. Ice cream's 99 cents. Oh, we're all eating ice cream, 99 cents. On oh, ice cream's back to 399, ice cream's back to 399. They all do that stuff there as well. They conjure you to come in there. They all uh, it. That stuff's been going on since the invention of the popsicle, and Mr. Hershey himself was going up against Mr. Reese, the gentleman that came up with the Reese's peanut butter cups. I mean, it's a comparative analysis. You look at Mr. Hershey, he owns all of Hershey's Pennsylvania, but yet there's hungry people starving on the street. Here's one of his employees he basically gives the shaft to who has a better invention of an idea for a, you know, a particular candy bar than Mr. Hershey himself at that time. Mm. Mm. Tell Mr. Hershey came to the table with Mr. Reese and said, hey, um, I, he says, I don't want you to be a competitor. He says, I'm I want part ownership of your idea. And that's one of the things that I thought was really, you know, 
ingenuitive of Mr. Hershey himself of how he came to the table with Mr. Reese and made a deal and they kind of joined together, you know, and I think the plethora of the different businesses out there, if they would come together to feed the hungry, you know, on a level, that would be the way to do it. Yeah. And just make them accountable for it. We can make them accountable. We can make you accountable. That is your job. You make billions of dollars. I don't want to see that guy eating in the trash can and I'm buying your food. And I'm buying your food at a premium level. I'm buying your food at a medium level. I buy the basic food as well, you know? But yep. that's fine. And you can take that food and you can put it into, you know, and, and just surely these food banks and ensure that people, and don't make people feel embarrassed of going to a food bank. You've got money you should eat, you know? Exactly. It's with electricity. We should start, like, that's part of what we're trying to do, Shep. It's like, we want to drive energy costs down. People in the streets shouldn't be, like, the price of gas going up under Biden is ridiculous. America's gas prices should go down. We're never going to run out of oil or gas in this country. We should oh, no. the price down and down and down. We shouldn't have it. As it goes up, people, so it costs an extra dollar. What does that affect? Well, everything that gets shipped around this country is in trucks. So the cost of this is your pint of milk goes up 20 cents, and then yep. your pint of this goes up 20 cents, and then suddenly your entire grocery budget's up 30 bucks, 50 bucks, Every time you walk in the door, and it's oh, it costs one hundred fifty dollars a week to even eat. Yeah, it's just it, it's just madness, basically. It is, and it's just like, and they don't care, but and they just keep you glued into social media. They keep you basically glued into these things. I know it's called you the know. delusion of the thinking and the process of the whole media freight train, is what I call it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty. That's a I like that delusion part of it, the airship, because that's what it is. It's a delusion. Media freight I mean, train. It, 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 and it's the same with a lot of these, you know, if you look at people like Bernie Sanders, you know, AOC, there was a guy, Jeremy Corbyn, back in the UK. Now, what I like about these people is they ask a lot of the right questions. You know, I don't believe in bigger and bigger and bigger government because it just leads to more and more corruption. I believe in accountability with government. But what they do is they ask questions on behalf of the poorest people in society. And we should never, and we should have more of people coming up and asking questions, but we should also have a better solution than, Tax everyone more money, tax absolutely everything, because the minute you start increasing taxation, the people who pay for it most are the poorest people in society. The inflation goes the up, the prices on all commodities go up. Everything gets hammered. And then, yeah. then that's, the, and that's the problem with what happens, you know, and then people don't think like that. They just think, oh, well, you know, we'll just tax oil higher, we'll tax gas higher. You know, I'm rich, I can drive a Tesla, you know, screw those guys. You don't realize it as that price goes up, the poorest people the price of their groceries are going up and they can't oh, afford exactly. it. And they can't afford a Tesla. So they've got nope. to drive around in some old car that's beat up. So they're having to pay an extra dollar at the gas pump, you know? Oh, but that's, the, they're not very green. It's because they're poor because they've yep. got to do, you know, it's just like, because they don't give a monkeys and then you feel good about it, but you don't think about it. You don't think about it at all. I'm buying my Bitcoin. Well, your Bitcoin's been mined by coal out in China. What do you think of yep. that then? Every time you buy Bitcoin, they're, basically increasing coal mines to mine your Bitcoin, you know? So that's not very yeah. green. And it's like, oh, well, I don't really like the sound of that now, but, you know, I'll take the cash because it's doubling in price. You don't care. You know, it's, it's that same mentality. And it's just like that is basically, and this awakening, people talk about it, this awakening of what we've got to do. You know, all these woke people, it's like the thing about everyone who's woke in that, you know, and they're trying to change things. The intention is correct. 
you know, back most of these people, and like most people, the intention of why you do something, whether you go to church every Sunday, you know, normally people don't go to church because, oh, I, I go to church because I hate this guy and we want to invade their country and steal their wealth. You, you, you go to church because it's something you feel good to do. You feel other people. You want to give that is giving back. When people are doing that woke thing, they feel like it's the intention behind it is always good. And you shouldn't keep shooting people in intention. And all they're doing is they're trying to pull it further and further. But really what they're doing is they're just suppressing the masses and not letting us fix this, you know? And it's a bit like politicians coming in. They're all feathering their own nest, you know? Oh, yeah. She's worth like, what, 50 million now? 20, 30, 40 million? She's worth so much money. She wears white Chanel suits that are worth 20 Jeez. grand. She bought that same dog as Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga's dogs were $25,000. She just wow. bought the dog, Jeez. you know? And the thing is, it's good that she's improving and she does that and she's more articulate and she speaks for the people. But we see you do better, but do your constituents get better? No. But if you let Amazon build their building and say, by the way, Amazon, the only way you're building that is if you, you know, every single park in Queens, you've got to refurbish it. And they might say, well, not that. Well, Jeff, get lost. And everyone will see the guy's a tosser. Wait a minute, you're worth trillion dollars and you can't do the, all the parks in Queens. And it's going to cost you a tiny amount of money. You know, you've heard of Glenn anymore. Stearns, haven't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he built uh, it's called Underdog Barbecue in Erie, Pennsylvania. He brought all these people together. I mean, we're just talking common everyday Joes. And they built over a million dollar barbecue business within 90 days. And I mean, the company is still very su successful. And every one of those people own a percentage of that company franchise itself. All the people that put in the labor to build the company. And I thought that was amazing how Mr. Stearns brought that to the table. That huh. was one of the neatest deals I've seen in a while. Yeah. And that comes back to a lot of people when they talk about, you know, Marxism. A lot of that is this ownership by the people. But yep. again, it comes back to that thing. It's just like, you know, that's why we do the AmeriCoin policy and we're tokenizing government assets. Really what it is, is allowing people to do it. The problem now is because of automation and artificial intelligence, there's less and less manual labor to do things going forward. So that sort of philosophy doesn't even exist anymore because you can't say, well, with the people, with people, you can't do that. Well, robots build all now. We've got robots to do all the automation. We need limited people to do it. We just yep. need people to control the robots. So in a, in a way, a lot of his policies and stuff he spoke about, you know, are irrelevant now. But people still want to hold on to it because they think capitalism bad. Capitalism is not bad. What it is is capitalism with a conscience. And that's yep. what we're just talking about right now. It's like Thinking we about want the people in general. We, we want capitalism with a conscience. You know, essentially that's what the Norwegian model is. It's not socialism. It's capitalism with a conscience. And what they do is they run this model whereby they ensure that people get looked after. And the Netherlands has the lowest poverty rate. Have you researched the Netherlands? They don't have much poverty in the Netherlands whatsoever. If, if you go to Amsterdam, there's a lot to see as well. A lot of poor yep. people begging and stuff. You know, and a lot of people come up from Africa. Again, it comes back to the same thing. These, these big corporations should be held accountable. And your accountability isn't, you know, we've got fa fancy tax lawyers. We've got fancy lawyers. We've got the, the ways to structure the companies. We've got different ways to do it. That's fine. You can do all that. You can work out your way with it. We don't care about that. We just want that problem solved. And that you know what they did in Finland? 
feed them. Um, Finland Airlines, during the COVID-19 uh, epidemic, all these airlines in Finland basically took the commodities of all the, you know, the TV dinners and stuff that they fed the people on the airlines themselves. And the ones that were outdated, they were actually selling those below and donating those to food banks, giving them to everyday people that were poor on the street. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, so there's companies out there doing it. We just need to, we can mass control it. You know, if everyone just said, right, okay, let's not buy anything from Amazon for two days, people. You know, what do you mean? Let's just, all of us just don't buy Amazon for two days. We'll just hold off. Just wait till Thursday. Whatever you need to buy, just wait. either go to the store, wait two days and see what happens. You know, the place, was, it would start to implode. Oh, gee, what are we going to do? What's people going to do? What's the drivers going to do? There's nothing, there's nothing to deliver. There's nothing to do. It's like no. two, three days. Supply chain would be knackered. You know, it's called, it's, a, like nice bo- it's called a nice bottleneck in the, in the supply chain network. <laughs> And that's what we can create. All right, okay. Well, what do you want instead? You know, in that inner city area where it's just absolutely dangerous for little kids to play in that smashed up park where there's been, you know, whether you want to say people have, you know, you know, uh, drug problems, other problems, essentially using it as a drug den. You know what I mean? Little kids can't play. No, you can pay to get that place all done up, you know? Yeah. And then, well, why? And I'll tell you what, and we'll give you some benefits. You can do like free advertising on it, you know, and you, and you can keep this park maintained. And that can be a, oh, you know, there's there's maybe hundreds of thousands of parks to fix. Well, we'll start with one at a time, you know, we'll go to the poorest parts of society and then you can rebuild these areas first. You can rebuild yep. them there. Like you can do the upgrade for the school, you know, let's just, let, let's just do it. It's just like upgrade the poorest schools. Let's ensure that they've got enough computers. Who's going to pay for that? Microsoft. Yeah. If you want us to keep buying your product, you go to the poorest areas and you ensure they've all got your old product that you just can't get rid of. Uh, iPhones, you know, just give them all. Well, what about the iPhone 5? Where is all the iPhone 5s? You know where they are? All smashed up someplace, you know? Well, it's for example, I, I brought them to Apple's <laughs> or, table or, or one day. Them in some place and shipping them off to India. You know what I mean? I, well, I even told uh, one of the technicians at Apple, I said, you guys get all these Apple iPhones. And I said, there's people, the poorest of society, that can't even afford a smartphone. And I said, you guys basically brick these iPhones. I said, because of an iCloud lock. I said, why don't you make a universal phone? that basically the fact that would delete all the software where these don't end up back in our landfills, where these can actually go to poor people that need a, you know, a media device and so forth of that nature to contact their families and so forth of that nature. They didn't want to hear that when I spoke to the technician. Yeah, because they don't care. Yeah, exactly. It's all about that money. Yeah, it doesn't fit in the business model. Nope. And that's what capitalism with a conscience is all about. Exactly. And that's, the, and, and that's where we now start to control the corporations. It's like right up until no matter what anyone says, the tail is wagging the dog. And as we get more educated, and if we just let the government suppress us, this is the problem with socialism. You know what I mean? It's just like people think about it. Oh, well, you know, we're not everything socialism. You know, let's tick the boxes of socialism. We will equally all have the same tick. You know, well, that sounds quite good. We will equally get access to everything the same. Tick. None of us will own assets. Tick. And we'll all be very happy. Tick. 
In actual fact, three out of four is going to be good. The one about all being happy at the end, we'll scribble that one out. But since you signed the terms and conditions with your iPhone, you know, we, we did say we'll deliver on three of four policies. You know, that's the problem. And then the, the wealth now gets controlled again by less. You know, that's the thing is what capitalism yep. allows to do is allows the democratization of wealth. You know, now whether you like it or not, there's more rich people now than any other time. And that's through capitalism. It, but yep. it, this problem is that what we're talking about is capitalism with a conscience. Now, what we, now the governments, they're in hoots with the big corporations they're all, and the media companies, they're all together people. They control you, they suppress you down. Or why would a place like Detroit that's been Democrat for the last 50 years not improve in the inner city areas? You've got Democratic councillors, you've got Democratic mayors, you've got Democratic governors, you know? It does, that doesn't change. So, and then well, Trump comes in or a Republican comes in, it doesn't change. It's still Democrat, you know? Yeah. So, so what's happened that has created that system in place? But you've voted and we've got rid of this guy and we've got a new person in and it works okay. And all the politicians who've gone in there as well, somehow they've all made a huge amount of money. And then but the people, the same say, suppressed. And that's the problem with bigger and bigger government, where all I want is government account. I don't want to get rid of government. I just want a government accountability. I want yeah. to hold you guys accountable to what you're doing. I don't want you guys to go in and get a job that's 190 grand a year, but suddenly you're making 25 million. You know, I don't want to do that either. It's like, it doesn't make sense to me. Oh, look at his tax return. He made 25 million. Look at Pelosi. She's worth 130 million. But that's property. It's 130 million. You shouldn't be in government if you're worth that much money. Let's not put billionaires and all that running the country. Then what's the point in that? No, but they're good business people. Good business people there. They're feathering their own nest people every single time. And as long as things improve, they can do that. But what we should be doing is the stuff I'm talking about. Now, you might think this is so radical, but it's not radical. We just all agree we're not going to Walmart. We're not going to Walmart Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We'll even do days. I like of it. <laughs> we can screw up even for. We'll go. I'll tell you everybody. We'll go to Walmart Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We'll go to Target. Friday, Saturday, we'll go to Costco. So then they have to. Oh wait a minute. We have to change all our plans. We'll have to get the staff in for that as well. This is the way we're doing. And Wednesday, we change your mind. We'll go back to Walmart Wednesday. We're not yep. going to go to you guys. And now some people look a bit. If we did this, I reckon within six weeks to two months, they would completely capitulate and say, right, where do you want us to help? You know, go up to Skid Row in LA and make sure these people have got food. That's your starting block. You make sure these people have got food and access to medical care. And as you say, Apple, we're not going to go to you until all these people have some form of smart device where they can go on, they can phone yeah. their family, they can do stuff. Exactly. And Verizon, you can pick up the basic tab yeah. on that one. You know, because Obama phones came along, which was great because it allowed you a phone line, but the phone, the, the phones themselves were garbage. So it was yep. like, and if you wanted to take an Obama phone, which you could have a phone line there, but you wanted to use a smartphone, didn't work. You took the chip, you put it in, didn't work, didn't work properly. It didn't, they created it so it wasn't compatible. So essentially you've got a phone that's crap and you've got a phone that can't use the technology out there. We're not talking about iPhone 12, as you say, ship. It's iPhone 5s. Wipe these things, give it to the people, they can yeah, all have exactly. Them. And yeah. then you know, and then you've got you know, you've got thousands of new free customers, and as these people move themselves out the poverty line, whose More product money. are they gonna buy? Whose yeah. product are they gonna buy when they get a job and they start improving their life? Apple, you know? Yep. That's kind of I mean, there's thousands of iPhone sevens out there. I mean millions of iPhones. 
you get on eBay, you can see all these iCloud locked phones that have the capability of being put back to use in somebody's hands that can't afford it to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's, uh, so, so, so that was a, that was a pretty good chew in the cud. We'll probably have to put this in a few other sections, the other ships. So it's perfect for that today. And then you know, let's think about it, people. Capitalism with a conscience, you know, and where we take socialist ideas and liberal ideas and we implement it by getting the corporations to implement it for us, and that's yep. their job. That we can do that, people. It's not that far away. Education's the key. The government doesn't want you to do this, but it's good. And we don't want rid of government. We just want government accountability. That's exactly. Like, all right. You know, we, I don't want to change it. You can. We don't want to go and work with you, government. You still have the same people. You still do the same things. And in actual fact, if we've got more money, you can tax us more. You know, and spend it on whatever you're spending it on. More F eighteen planes. So thanks very much, everyone. You've been watching Boomits on the Blockchain. Have a good day. Thanks, Al. Perfect. All right, nice one, Shep. Thank you for watching Boomits on the Blockchain. My name's Alistair Caithness. Have a good day.